Blue. Oh, you don't think so? Out of the blue. Out of the blue? The blue room? Yeah. This is my favorite part was when I hit record before I even start. I like to do that. Yeah, I notice that. <laughs> Have you listened to any episodes yet? No, I haven't. Good. It's not a good show. <laughs> it's really not. Okay. It's, I'm surprised I have as many listeners as I do. How many is that? Uh, my Anchor Analytics team estimates an audience of five. Oh, wow. I'm impressed, yeah. That's <laughs> that pretty good. Impressive. Hopefully they're listening on Spotify. That's where you can find Keep a Dallas Whiskey Nick on Spotify. Are you getting paid for this promotion? No, no but I might as well. Well, I, I am on Spotify. I, mean, I might as well put it out there, right? I'm promoting myself, not Spotify. And welcome back to Keep It Down with Whiskey Nick. I am your host, Whiskey Nick, and today we are recording at Whiskey Nick's. It's a little thing I do. It's a call and respond thing. I, I pause. We just had that conversation. Godzilla in the background is always good. It's, 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 it's Pops and I first. We're going first. You guys are later. Right now, you guys are background noise. The, uh, you're the peanut gallery. <laughs> Without a monocle, Mr. Pini. Thank you. <laughs> I'll be both snarly, okay? You'll be who? You both snarly. I do what now? I'm what? You yelling at me? Yeah, I just said turn that thing down. Oh, it's fine. It's way over there. No, it's fine. It's good. I always have background noise. Usually, I have. Uh, she wants to hear you talking now. Instead of listening oh, on you, Spotify. Oh, you want the live version? <laughs> you want the, the acoustic version? <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> we are here, uh, see, are we at the conference center today? Nah, we're here right at the bar. Right here at Whiskey Nick's Bar. Father-in-law, mother-in-law, sister-in-law, brother-in-law. It's a family affair. Tracy went up to go, go poop. <laughs> Kids are... Still in their bedroom, being quiet for once, so I don't need to yell at them to keep it down. Well, thank you for the cigar. Indeed, you are quite welcome, sir. We're here with Conrad, Pops, as I call him. Old Army guy. Old. Old Army guy. So old. <laughs> I was hoping I'd get you on. You could tell me some some good fun stories from back in the day. Fun stories from, from the time in the service. Yeah. You could always tell my favorite one. What's the favorite one? Oh, walking into the saloon in Arizona. No. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're talking about these little bit stories. Yeah. Not, not anything big. Oh, you can go big later. I just want to start out with that one since we're at the bar. That's a good that was one. Only because it was Arizona. That was the first time I was out west. Me and my buddy drove out there in my Chevy truck from our duty station in, well, our, our actually where we went to MOS training in Fort Monmouth, New Jersey. We got our orders to go out to... Uh, East Coast to West Coast. We got our orders to go out to our duty station, which was going to be Fort Monmouth, or not, uh, Fort Huachuca, Arizona. And you drove from Jersey to Arizona. They didn't fly you? No. Oh, wow. No, because we had a break in between. We actually drove from Jersey to our homes. He lived in Coshocton, Ohio. 
Okay. I live here in well, southeast Michigan. And I dropped him off. He didn't have a vehicle. And then we had our two week or whatever it was break. And then I picked him up at his home and we headed out west. We drove through all the western states, Oklahoma cool. and all that. Went through areas I'd never seen before. It was in uh, February, I believe. And Oklahoma was, uh, I remember it being like red sand all over the place. Really? It looked like. In fact, I even have pictures of it. There were places where it looked like the roads, some of the dirt roads were just red. <laughs> I don't know what part of Oklahoma we were going through, but I never remember it, seeing anything like that before. That's cool. And then going through parts of uh, Texas and those areas out there where the open range and they had cattle all over the place. You could see little specks of cattle off in the distance and just the country looks so big because there's nothing in the way. You can just see forever. Miles and miles of nothing. Yep. Yeah, remember that going through Nebraska. Just cornfields and nothing fields. Yeah, and when you see an animal like a, a big steer or something standing out in the field, it looks like an ant. I mean, it's so far away, it's hard to believe. Things around here, there's so many trees and everything around this area. You just can't see that far usually, you know. But yeah. Out there, you can see for miles. And just a different different kind of landscape. And then we got to uh, we got into the Tucson area about a day and a half before we were due to show up and report report to our new duty. He had a friend that lived there in Tucson, so we stopped in to see him. And what? Hear that now or no? No, no, no. It's a places we wanted to go. Both of us had the same idea. Was going to a what looked like a, an old Western saloon. They had a lot of bars around there that looked same similar like that, just mm -hmm. along the side road somewhere and a bar. The, the old Western swinging doors mm -hmm. at the front. <laughs> they didn't have the swinging doors, but it was you know it just looked like an older establishment. And we went in there. I think the I think the girl, the bartender woman, uh, thought we were nuts because we walked in there. Both of us just slammed our fist down on the bar and said. I'll have a whiskey. <laughs> Without saying what kind of brand or anything, just a whiskey. You know? She looked at us like, you guys are crazy. You know? <laughs> it's just kind of cool. Just a neat thing to do. Just a... Yeah, like the old Western movies. <laughs> I love that. I can just picture that awkward moment of silence where she just looks at you guys trying to figure out what the hell are you doing? My buddy couldn't believe that this girl, uh, she was probably in her 30s, I think. She guessed both of our ages. No kidding. Yeah. And he thought he looked younger than me. He was disappointed that she knew he was two years older. No kidding. She's probably seen a lot of you guys come and go like that. She's probably used to it. What'd you end up getting a drink? Do you remember? No. It was whatever she poured us a whiskey. That's what we said we wanted. <laughs> I don't even think we specified. It. Dealer's choice. When she realized why we were doing it and what we were doing. She just gave us something. That's we didn't even spend that much time there. It was just a unique experience of doing that. Just to do it. And we went to uh, his buddy's house and we spent the weekend there. Give me a whiskey. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> We went to his friend's house and lived 
just outside of Tucson, within the view of the city limits. And uh, spent our first weekend in Arizona with his friend. Kind of a neat experience. They had a they had a big uh, cookout, <laughs> Mexican style cookout with uh, tacos and all kinds of stuff. Yummy. You were in for four, six years? No. Actually, only it amounted to only two years of active. Oh, two. Okay. Yeah, I was drafted. So. Uh, yeah. So, I went. Uh, I got drafted. Well, I actually I was. I got my first notice that I was going to be inducted was when I was still in. Still going to school. I was in college. Take your bill right now. I had a deferment. I was about to run out when I graduated. And, Somehow they knew I was graduating soon. I got my notice actually before I was supposed to appear. Before my graduation, and I had to see the dean at the college of the school I was going to and have them. I don't know what he did, but he did something to get me a couple month extension because uh, it was in October that I was supposed to show up. And they, I ended up getting another directive saying that I had to appear the 27th of December, <laughs> two days after Christmas. Yeah. And that's when I ended up going in. I went into the induction center up by Detroit. I think it was one of the old bases there. I can't even remember what it was called anymore. Um, took a bus up there from Monroe. Went through all the physical and all the paperwork and everything, and then they says, "Since it's the holidays, everything is kind of closed down." <laughs> where you're going, you know, I was going to Fort Knox. Yeah, you have a choice. You can either go home and come back next week, and we'll take you back there, or you can leave now. The bus will leave now. And I thought, well, that's about stupid, you know. What I mean? <laughs> Had me come in and do all that stuff. I already said all my goodbyes to my family and everything. Yep. And, you know, I figured I'm going in. I said, why would I go back home now and then end up and then just come having back. to do it again? You yeah. Know? So I said, okay, I have to, you know, take the bus now. Ended up getting down to Fort Knox, and it was a skeleton crew. <laughs> <laughs> they just, they admitted us, they gave us our clothing allowance, some of our things that we had to have, you know, gave us some of the stuff we had to have, but didn't go through any of the real processing, put us in a barracks, and then told us, uh, you know, lights out, it'll be 930, and uh, <laughs> you're not allowed to have, uh, you know, all the contraband you can't have, you know, you can only have certain things, and pretty much, uh, basic training from there but I had a whole week to sit there and just do nothing to ponder what the hell you were getting <laughs> yeah, into yeah. <laughs> things didn't start in earnest until a week later when everybody came back from their Christmas break oh, nice right. of them to get a break and not give it back I remember, I remember, <laughs> spend, I remember spend, spending New Year's Eve laying in my bunk at 9.30 with the lights out. <laughs> with the lights out. Yeah. With, a, with a few of the guys. That wasn't even the whole group. Platoon was about 40 people. They weren't even all there yet because someone opted for the other the other way. And then uh, 
we got started again, I remember the drill sergeant setting us all around in a big area of the floor and kind of choosing who was going to do what things, you know. Mm -hmm. They made up, uh, ended up having uh, four different platoons in our, in our group and he was going by, he must have been using records that they had because they knew, you know, they, they knew some of the basic things. They knew that I had been already through, a lot of these guys were inductees that came in right out of high school or shortly after. I had already had graduated from a, a kind of a, it was more, it was a college, but it was more of a, a kind of a vocational thing I went to for uh, graphic design and that kind of stuff, and uh, engineering technology. And when he, he, he was starting to choose people to break, break up the groups into, I ended up uh, becoming our platoon leader in our, our group. He chose me as a platoon leader. Really? Yeah. That soon, huh? Just at random? <laughs> I guess. I don't know how they sort of. I don't know how they do it. I, I think it went by it wasn't just picking me because he just chose you know, freely. Yeah. I think he went by the background of people, the age of the people. I was older than some of the guys, you know, because I was I was uh, twenty. Some of these guys were just out of high school, like I said. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what they go by, but it, I know he chose me as platoon leader and I ended up being platoon leader through the whole basic training. Saw something in you. So I was like cool. in charge of making, well, uh, the guy that gets shit on really because because <laughs> everybody hates you. Because I was yeah. the one that had to make the rosters for who gets up to do uh, KP duty in the morning, you know. And it had to be, yeah. a, I had to make it as fair as I could, so I made a rotating roster that, you know, everybody got a share. <laughs> And there were guys that tried to get out of stuff. <laughs> Always. You know, had a reason why they couldn't do it or whatever. We had one guy that, that me and my assistant, I had an assistant platoon leader also. That we bunked one above the other and we had double bunks. Broke and our, our platoon was in the older barracks at uh, Fort Knox. So it was the old wood frame barracks, two-story. Mm -hmm. That was on piers. You could go underneath the building. It was like up off the ground about four feet. And uh, we had uh, we had to have somebody on fire patrol because the buildings were heated with boiler systems. And, yeah. And so we had to have somebody that was alert and walking all the time, you know, checking to make sure there was, you know, in case there was a fire, that building would go up fast. It <laughs> had air flowing underneath it. And it was all wood frame. And uh, <laughs> we had our 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 bunk areas were separated by big banks of lockers that separated the cells you know, where you had your, your bunk and then your locker then the next on the other side of that locker was another bunk and another locker all the way across the room and there was an aisle between two sep sets of this and then upstairs was the same thing sounds a little bit like a prison <laughs> <laughs> just without the bars huh mm -hmm. so we had uh a couple years later, I think. Oh, Camacho went out on you.
we had one guy that no matter how often or you know every time that he had KP, he pretended that he was so sound asleep that there was no way he could wake him up. <laughs> and the, to, to Mark, who, because this was like five in the morning, you got up to for KP. Yeah. And the guy that had KP the next day would tie his a white bath towel onto the rail of his bunk so that the, the, the sergeant or whoever was corporal or whoever was coming to get you if you didn't show up, knew what bed to wake you up from. So you had your towel tied to the end of your bed, and he'd come in there, and you know they didn't turn on any lights. They just walked through. They could see with the dim lighting, yeah. see what towel that was. Wake that guy up. Say, hey, you got KP today. <laughs> this guy would never wake up. They would end up getting me and the, my assistant up to help get him up. We had to roll him out of bed more than three or four times. Actually, actually flip his mattress and dump him on the yeah. floor. Because he it, would not get up. It, it seems like, you know, I'm going to say back in the day, but they, they were a lot more stringent with stuff like that. Yeah. They would just pick your ass up and drag you out, yeah. kicking and screaming. Yeah. He just he just was trouble that way. We had a couple <laughs> guys that were like that. <laughs> we had one that... Uh, and just for KP, just for kitchen prep. He just, <laughs> just, we just had a, we had some guys that just were just, just troublemakers to begin with. They just yeah. didn't want to be in the Army to begin with. Yeah. And they were just... Constantly doing something. Most of them draftees. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, some of them, I don't know. Some of them were enlisted, but didn't didn't think it was what they. You know, it was more than what they expected. Yeah. They maybe were given some wine by a recruiting officer, uh-huh. and then they got in there and they thought, oh, you know, this is uh, way more than I want, and I'm out of here. But they couldn't get out of there. We had one uh, young guy that. Uh, he was always causing some kind of trouble. And the one night he got, I don't know where he, where he went, where he got, he got some liquor and got himself drunk up and was getting belligerent and complaining about everything that was going on. Usually and, it doesn't get you kicked out; they get you more work. You know, it could get you in a lot of trouble too. But he ended up. Uh, it was about 11 o'clock at night, and he climbed out on the second floor window and sat on the ledge and said he was going to jump out. And he didn't want to come back in the building. He was leaving, you know. He said, I'm getting out of here. I'm leaving. <laughs> and some of the other guys came to get me, and a bunch of us were trying to talk him off the ledge. <laughs> Literally. And it was like a mansard roof where you have, like, a shingled portion that's about three or four feet long and sticks out that he could sit on, you know, yeah. inside. The roof had a double roof, you know. It had the main roof, and then it had yep. this little roof at the second level. Yeah. And he was setting out on that roof, and uh, I kept trying to talk to him reasonably, and I was getting pissed. You know, I wasn't talking to him as reasonably toward the end, get his ass in here, and he refused to do it. And I grabbed him by the back of the collar and dragged him through the window. Uh huh. He's just a little shit, and I felt bad about it afterwards. But I picked him up. I picked him up by the shirt and threw him against the locker. And these lockers were—they were pretty big. They were like seven feet tall, maybe. And, and big enough to fit all our clothing and hangers, so they were about 24 inches deep. I don't remember wow. exactly. And then yeah. they had drawers on the bottom. They were metal. I threw them against this bank of lockers, and the whole locker rolled over <laughs> on the other floor with him on top of it. And, uh, 
it, it, it was a you know it's kind of a big deal at the time that you know I told him don't ever do that again you know I got all belligerent with something and everything <laughs> got nasty with him so don't you ever try something stupid like that again he ended up he went in the bathroom and he was so screwed up he ended up going into the bathroom so many other guys were hanging around with him he ended up getting so pissed off he stuck his hand he stuck his fist into the mirror and broke the mirror and cut his hand up so he ended up did, did get out of things for a few days yeah but he said he was you know he was talking about we ended up calling the we ended up because our sergeant you know lived off base he was married and you know drill sergeant doesn't stay there you're there they do have yeah, they do have somebody in the company headquarters that you know you can get if you need help, but uh, usually a lieutenant or somebody who's in the company headquarters. Yeah. And uh, we ended up contacting them about him, and he was he, he, he left the he left the barracks actually and started walking across the parade field like he said he's going to leave. I don't know where he thought he was going to go. Oh, he was going to get off base, but yeah, I think he was too messed up to even know what he was doing. But they ended up getting him, and you know. He came back about four or five days later. Probably needed some medical attention because of his hand. Yeah, and, and, yeah. There's and probably some other a little bit of that because of what he did. But, <laughs> did, but, uh, did they beat the sense into him, or <laughs> I don't know. I don't yeah. know what happened. I, I know he had a brother that that was. He and his brother were both in our company, and uh, his, they were they were kind of threatening me. His brother was especially saying about you know what I did to his brother. We'll get you. All this kind of crap. So there were a few nights that I slept a little uneasy. Mm-hmm. In fact, uh, for about a week, there was a there was a room off the off the side of where the drill sergeant had an office, and on the opposite side of the office was another room that I used like a, a kind of a makeshift office where I could make up my paperwork and everything when I had to do those rosters. I slept in there for about a week. Really? Yeah. Lock the door? No, I just or slept just... in there. I had a couple guys that were watching for me. <laughs> One of them, uh, his name, his last name was Ayers. His his dad was a high up. No, that's what I was just telling I don't know what he was exactly. He was a high up uh, officer. I don't know if he was a. I don't remember what his what his dad's actual office was, but he was he was up there. You know, he was a. Uh, We're gonna get you for that. I'm not sure what rank he was, but anyway, he was kind of my. Even though I had a, 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 a an assistant platoon leader he was he kind of stuck by me all the time too and was kind of supportive and they were kind of helping out that's fun that's funny amazing what what the guys will do to get out of it and stuff like that and the, the troubles they'll cause and shit pot's still stirred oh yeah we only had a few of them like that though most of the guys are pretty good about everything she used to have a boyfriend now was that while well, during basic training and all that also? That was that was basic training. How was he throughout all that? Through all the drills and all that? The basic training drill? Yeah. He, he handled everything pretty well. I mean, he complained, but he didn't complain to drill sergeant. Like he complained to me. Yeah. I mean, he figured he'd get away with it. Me, I'm just another yeah. guy. Yeah. So he was just grumpy. The drill sergeants were pretty strict back yeah. in those days. 
I mean, they, they made you do the 50. If they said get down and do 50, you know, and they, they had ways of making sure that you, you know, you got some pretty crappy duty if you... You, you knew to listen to them. Yeah. I never heard of anything where they took anybody out in the corner and actually secretly beat them or something. But <laughs> I wouldn't put it past someone. You, you never will hear about that either. <laughs> All those bruises are internal. <laughs> so getting into computers and that, that kind of helped you out with what you got into in the Army, what they used you for. Yeah. yeah. Which is a pretty cool thing. Yeah, I ended up... Uh, well, I was I was pretty concerned. Everybody was. I mean, yeah. it was an uptight era, and that's probably why some of these guys were like that. Because uh, this was in '72, the Vietnam War was still not really. We weren't out of there yet until '75. It was still a lot going so on. There, there, yeah. there was still a lot of a lot of rumbling and talk about who's going to end up, you know, being shipped overseas. Yeah. And that was what we were training for, you know. That's, that's, that's what everybody thought was going to happen. Yeah. And uh, when it came time for our assignments, when we were graduating from basic training, I ended up going to, of course, just about everybody. You, know, you don't go immediately into something else until they got to train you for whatever field you're going to be, whether it's you know, armored division or whatever, you got to go to another school and learn a little bit about whatever it is you're going to be dealing with. Yeah. Basic training is just in the physical part of it. They're, they're trying to break you. They're trying to break you as a boy so they can turn you into a man, basically. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and they're uh, and then they're making sure you're physically capable of doing things. So, you know, you take the, the, the weapons training. You know, you learn how to use a. M16 rifle at the time, you know, and, uh, and how to do hand-to-hand -hand combat, and all that kind of stuff. Learn how to take care of yourself, how to how to uh, orienteer in the wild with a compass and everything, figure out where you're at. Well, that's, you know, that's basic training is all about. And then after that, they give you some kind of training in what they call your MOS or your method of service. They they decide. Basically, again, like they did on picking a platoon leader, I think they base it on what they think you have knowledge in or a, an aptitude for somewhat. Yeah, you know. yeah, it's yeah, it's not just breaking you down; they're studying you too, your psyche and how you handle they, what you they handle. They give you an assignment, to, you know, what you're going to be assigned to as what your job duties are going to be in the military the rest of the time. And if it requires some schooling, then they send you to wherever that's taught, whatever base that's taught at. And I ended up getting, uh, I was uh, given uh, MOS of 31 Sierra 30, which is a crypto repairman. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a uh, crypto is, is the scrambling of messages. At that time, we were, they were trans, they were in the, in the process of evolving from radios that used vacuum tubes mm -hmm. to radios that use transistors and that kind of stuff, solid state things. And there was all kinds of uh, equipment that the military used for scrambling messages, either radio messages or, or teletype type messages that are sent by, you know, typewriter that they send a, send a message and it scrambled that message so that it couldn't be picked up by anybody else. 
This was all pre-computer age. <laughs> yeah, pretty well, much. The closest yeah. it was to computers was having the printed yeah. circuit cards. Yeah, know, that's, but, uh, yeah. They were so you couldn't just fire off an email and <laughs> yeah. So I ended up being assigned to Fort Monmouth, New Jersey, where they taught the Signal Corps school you know, in Fort Monmouth, and that was a 38-week training. I was in for a two-year hitch. They already gave me. My my uh, my nearly two months of training in boot camp, and now I had to go for another thirty-eight weeks. So by the time they got done with me, holy there, shit, I had, thirty-eight I have weeks! have about a year left. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. That's almost a waste. <laughs> but anyway, that's that's where I wow. went. And that's what they did. And I went to Fort Monmouth, New Jersey, and I was put in a, a company there where. Uh, I took all my, you know, had classes every day. That's basically what it was. Basically, a, a school, you know, just uh, wasn't anything like like boot camp. You were free to come and go, do what you wanted to do, pretty much, as long as you appeared for class and did some of the duties you had to do. Like if you were asked to do guard duty, you know. You'd do guard duty, like on the parking lot guard duty or whatever. They had different things where you walked around the parking lot all night with a flashlight you know, for your shift. That kind of thing. Wild. Uh, uh, KP wasn't that much of an issue because you were in school, so they didn't expect you to be doing that. They were they pretty much had that taken care of. You just you know they had they had people that that was their job. They were cooks and they were whatever you know. Yeah, that was their. That was already what they did as a military person. So uh, that was basically, I spent a lot of time just traveling around New Jersey and went to some of the parks, went to the ocean a lot, went out to dance clubs, went out drinking. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> did did what I, almost what a college kid would do, you know, because that was basically like college. That you know, was your you college, know, yeah. <laughs> we're just we're just going to school during the day, and then you you went in your civilian clothes after that, and, and uh, the rest of the day was yours, basically, and night, and night. Yeah, and if you were too tired to go to school, you, you just went. You, you might have fell asleep through half the time. So it was no lights out at nine thirty there. No, no, you didn't have to be in the barracks at any given time. No kidding. You could come back. Six o'clock in the morning, come struggling in six o'clock in the morning, and you know shave and and, and take a shit, shit shower, get, shave, and get dressed in your get dressed in your uniform again, and go back to class. <laughs> well, they didn't care. <laughs> All that strictness just to let you let you off the leash. It was again. way different. It was way different than the boot camp experience. A lot more easygoing. When I first got there. Uh, when I, was, when I first showed up at Fort Monmouth, actually, uh, my grandfather, my dad's dad, passed away that weekend, and I went to see the the captain in charge of the company I was in to ask for a a leave because of the funeral. And being I was just new there, and they don't know who in the hell you are, and, you know, <laughs> and you're just out of boot camp, he refused it. He said he he wasn't going to let me go. He said, you know, hmm. I don't I don't know that you'll come back. You know, I don't yeah, know who you are. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And uh, 
it was on the weekend or just the start of the weekend and of course the captain doesn't stay there for the weekend he's got family and he's got his own wife and he's a captain somebody else in charge so after he left this guy I, I still think of this guy he was the greatest first sergeant he was rough but he was a big big black fella first sergeant he called me into the office after the captain left after the end of the day he says I heard you talking to the captain about uh, your grandfather passing away he says tell you what he says I'm going to give you that leave uh -oh. <laughs> and he says, but if you don't get your ass back here, he says, I'll be looking for you. I know where you are. And he says, I'll come and get you because that'll be my ass on the line if you don't show up. Yeah, me. yeah, he stuck his neck out. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, I really appreciated him for that. The whole time over there, I let him know it too. I told him a few times how grateful I was that he did that. Yeah, that's cool. That's pretty cool. That's really cool. Yeah. It's not like the superior some of those stepped guys, over him. You know, some of those guys that are... Uh, Non-commissioned officers that are, you know, the sergeants that come up through the ranks. They're a different breed than these guys that come out of, uh, like, especially lieutenant, you know, first and second lieutenants. You know, they're just, they're, they, it's like they're showing off. You know, they, they got they got their they got their office. You know, through going through academy somewhere. They're young. They're inexperienced, and they got they got guys that, that are under them that are a lot of times their age or, or older than them. Yeah, and it's like they think they know it all. That sounds a lot like management at my work. <laughs> and you get these seasoned sergeants, like a first sergeant. You know, he's he was probably in his forties. You know, he's probably been through a lot. He had to come up through the ranks to get to where he was. He started out, you know, just like me, you know, as a private. And, and mm -hmm. worked through, got his, you know, who knows what he'd been through. You know, Vietnam War was in progress. He maybe was over there in Vietnam and probably went through a lot of things. Got yeah. some of his, got some of his uh, promotions through all that stuff. But he went through some stuff. And I met a lot of guys like that. I learned a lot about how those non-commissioned people are usually more reasonable. A little more human. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because they understand what it's like going up through the, from the bottom up. But then after, well, I did a lot of things. I was there almost a year, so I did a lot of things in New Jersey. When I get, you know, we took leave a couple of times. Went up in the mountains in New York. Went to. Uh, was Atlantic City built yet? What? Was Atlantic City built up yet? I didn't go there though. No. 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 I was just wondering. Uh, I believe it was, but I, and we never went there. We went to more, less big time places like that. I went to, uh, there was a dance bar on the beach that we used to go to a lot. It was, it was, a, it was called Sebring, I think. It was on the beach and they had, it was big enough that it had two bands. Oh, that's cool. It was, you know, and it was like wall to wall people in there dancing. You had your arms up in the air, you know, it was that yeah. kind of stuff back yeah. in the day, you know. <laughs> You'd be out there with a beer and you're holding the beer above your head because you don't have room next to your shoulder, you know, because there's so many people across. Jam packed. Yeah. Sardines. Wouldn't, wouldn't happen today with all the COVID crap. <laughs> I don't even know if dance clubs are a thing anymore right now. I don't think they are. I got two special treats for you. This one is the first one is a thank you for your service. 
buddy at work uh, started distilling his own liquor. Oh yeah. So I bought a jar of it. Some corn moonshine. Strong stuff. I imagine it is. It's 140 proof. He did not tamp it down. So thank you. The whole thing? No, just take a sip. If you want to chug it, I will let you. I will let you. I take the. Then you'll call 911. I will call 911. That's got a lot of balls to it. Got it. Yeah. Not only burns on the way down, <sighs> it's burning a hole right there in the bottom. It sits there, yeah. <laughs> it just sits there. And... <laughs> yeah, that's some strong stuff. You were fortunate enough to not have to travel overseas or see any combat, correct? Correct. That's good. That's good. Some of the horror stories of oh, yeah. out there in the field, and yeah, I can't imagine them. I mean, as much as technology has changed it, war for the better, for the saferness. Yeah, I had, it's still. I had a lot of friends that were saferness is a new word. My age, because you, know, you know, I was, I was actually behind some of the other guys that were my age that went in right after high school. That got drafted. And, I had the student deferments that kept me away from it for a couple of years, but I, I I had a few friends that were over there, and then I met a lot of people after I got out that you know were my age or just a little older. What? That were uh, that had been through some stuff. Some of them had wounds, you know, shrapnel. Yeah, and then you locked the ice maker. You can't put things in the ice maker like this. I remember I met a met some. Well, I started. Started yeah, hanging with some guys at the, at the hey, fire department. Keep it down. <laughs> started hanging with some of the guys at the fire department in town, you know, after I got out of the service. And a few of them had been through things. I remember, I remember talking to a couple of them, and, you know, we were talking about some of the things they were through, reminiscing about our service. And, I kind of felt guilty at the time that I hadn't done gone over there you know they, they said don't feel like that you know you you know you you were offering yourself you just didn't go over there and you're yeah. lucky you didn't you know yeah you wouldn't want to see some of the stuff we went through oh I, yeah and uh you know i i because I, I that's I, cool i just felt you know put your mind at ease moment yeah, to... yeah i kind of felt like you know you know i didn't i didn't do the same thing they did i didn't offer you know i didn't i didn't put in the same that they did. But. Well, with the military too, from everything I've heard and what little bit I've noticed, everything is so specific to what they bring you in for. You know, you've got some soldiers set up specifically for combat. I mean, you, you know, talking, you know, Green Berets and stuff like that, or Navy SEALs. You got others that, like you said, specifically they're just cooks on a base. Either way, you're signed up, you're in, you're a part of that same team, you're just yeah. working a different role, you know. I mean, yeah. The well, athletic trainers The field I was in would have, would have been still usable over there because mm -hmm. they had the communications and they needed the, the, yeah. the people for that. Yeah. It's just that, you know, I was, in the, I was in the point where by the time I got out of, it was 73 when I got out of the, the school, well, actually, 
has never given a straight answer on anything. Someone's yeah, got to send the signal. Someone's got to receive the signal. The end of 73 when I was getting out of the Someone's signal Someone's got school. to scramble it. Someone's got to decode it. <laughs> and the, the war was dwindling down to the point where they, you know, they were out of Saigon in 75. You know, it was, that, was, that was pretty much the end of it. So I never got that over. But uh, out of after uh, after signal school, that's when I got my orders to go to Fort Huachuca, and that was a neat experience going out there. Some history out there, you know. I got mm -hmm. to go to Old Tombstone, you know, and the base that the base that I was at Fort Huachuca was actually a base that was used by the cavalry back when they were fighting the, the Apache. No kidding. Yeah. That's a neat moment. It still has some, they have a historical building on base that has a lot of the old memorabilia and things from when the cavalry was there still. Awesome. That's so cool. A lot, of, a lot of history in that area, you know, Indian history and, and all that kind of lore and everything. They got, uh, there's still a lot of, uh, a lot of Native American people still live in that area. They sell a lot of jewelry made with the, yeah. the sapphire. Yeah. You know, the, yeah. So they ended up moving out, and then uh, silver. I did a lot of well, I did a lot of things. There are things that I like to do. You know, I ended up joining on, on base. They had a, a gun club. I became a member of that. Spent a lot of time there, just afternoons, drinking beer and talking to the guys. Mm -hmm. Go hunting when the season was right. Yes. Go shooting. They had a skeet, a skeet club and a trap club there. I did a lot of shooting there. Met some cool guys there, too. I like all the old stories like that. It's cool to hear stuff. It's a lot of fun. Yep. I still got a friend that I still talk to on Facebook now that I, I was out there with. He was what he was married at the time, about my age, but he he was married when he got in the service. His, his wife, his wife moved out there with him, you know, to be with him while he was yeah. in the service, and they lived off base. They got, they got a. a as you can hear, the kids are misbehaving and getting yelled at. <laughs> wouldn't wouldn't be the show without it. <laughs> Now, I got a bottle of scotch a few months back. This little guy here, Ardbeg Carivrican, adding to my smoky collection. Now, my first thought was this is really good stuff. I know someone that would like it. It was really hard not to drink that whole damn bottle. Oh, yeah. No, no, there's about a third of it left, maybe. And uh, I haven't drank much scotch at all lately. So but only the, fact the one that, that you were planning for somebody else. One that I definitely wanted to have some left for whenever we were able to hang out again and actually throw back some scotch. So I would like to hand you a glass of it. Well, thank you, sir. And this is this is straight up. This is not without not with the water yet. That's all right. This is a stronger one uh, of the scotches. This is uh, 57.1, 114.2 proof. That's fine. It's good. It's good, though. It's got some bite. It's got some grip. Oh, boy. I know. If there's someone that's going to like it, it's going to be this guy over here. That is good stuff. Christmas is coming. Is it really? <laughs> he says on April, April 10th. A couple drops of water. I have a birthday May 5th. Really? 
Oops, too much, I'm sorry. I could pour a little more scotch in there to even that out if you'd like. <laughs> Feel free to hit me up on the socials. Give me some thoughts, some insights, suggestions, comments, insults, whatever you got, at Scrooge468, S-C-R-O-O-G-468. Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, Reddit, TikTok, you can find me. Still on Twitch, still have my followers, still don't do anything with it, so we'll figure Twitch out one of these days. I appreciate the stories. Good times. <laughs> I like how at first you were like, wait a minute, am I really doing this? What do you want me to tell? And then all of a sudden that ball got rolling. Yeah, a lot of memories. Yeah. The typical theme of the show is we start out with a topic. Like always, we're usually throwing back a cocktail and derail heavily from there. <laughs> we did good, 44 minutes in, and we still maintained, maintained the lane. I like it. Oh, yeah, that's good. My best times are out there, really. And the whole time in the, yeah, in the service is even more laid back. I really enjoyed my, yeah, you know, I've, in fact, the, the buddy of mine that I, I said to share a Facebook page and stuff, he's got three kids that were all in the military. Um, he's got a, he, he posted something on Facebook the other day, or about a month ago, saying how, in his opinion, Every young person should try the military service because it, it really does something for you. It changes you, you know, mm -hmm. if it, if you accept it the way you should accept it. It actually uh, matures you a lot. Yes. It, yes. Gives, it gives you a, a new uh, aspect of how real life is. You get to see a lot of the world or the country. Teaches you to appreciate, you're a young appreciate person that's discipline. 18, 18 or 19 year old person that thinks uh, his life is everything and you know <laughs> he's everything, and you find out that you're you know that's not true. The world doesn't revolve around these kids, right? Are you telling me that? Yep. You learn how to handle responsibility and you know, yes, a lot of things. Personal accountability. Yep. You're held accountable. You have jobs, chores, duties. Actually, getting punished for not doing them. I had a lot of, a lot of adventures in Arizona. I went to Grand Canyon while I was there. Went to Mexico. I went on a trip with uh, four guys down in the, uh, the eastern coast of Mexico off of the Gulf of California on a fishing trip. About 250 or 300 miles into Mexico. Holy shit! Tijuana didn't have a donkey show back then, did they? <laughs> we, were, we missed Tijuana. We went around it. Okay. We went through Nogales. We passed it. Across Mexico down to uh, Pueblo de Libertad was the name of the village. Now it's, I looked it up on the maps, and it's more of a village. You know, it's got its own power plant and everything, but at the time it was pretty much pretty primitive. The people were living in tin huts with no, no screens on windows. It's just a small fishing village. Somebody that used to little kids running around bare ass, and <laughs> chickens flying in and out of the houses. <laughs> it was they were pretty poor. It was, uh, Everything they want you to think of Mexico now, even though it's not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There were, 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 were poor people there. The, the, the guys that I went with, uh, the, I was the I was the most. Uh, 
I was the lowest rank of any of them. I was a specialist fourth class in E4. And my closest, my close friend that invited me was a, a staff sergeant. And the two other guys that were with us were warrant officers. And one of them was a warrant officer in the kitchen department. <laughs> and he, uh, he brought along a bunch of... Uh, for our food, he brought just boxes, crates almost of sea rations because we weren't going to cook much there. We were not, we're staying in our trucks on the beach. Hmm. I had a camper top. It wasn't really a camper; it was a cap, like yeah. a camper. You know, you could set up in it. Yeah, yeah. And uh, bless you. And they had a, a small camper on their vehicle. Bless you. So we. Uh, we drove across the sandy place. I would just follow them if they would have. If I would have lost them, lost their <laughs> dust trail, I was following. <laughs> I don't know what I would have done because I didn't know where in the hell I was. The sergeant was with me. We were riding in my truck, and uh, we went on forever. Just looking at dust was all I was looking at because they knew the way. They had been there before the two warrant officers and they were leading the way and we were about a half a mile behind them but I was eating dust the whole way yeah and we got down there and it was we, we camped out right on the beach on uh, just outside of this little village fishing village probably a half a mile away around a sort of a, a sort of mountain wasn't much of a mountain, but it was a big enough that you could it obscured their village from us. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> we stopped in there first, and they they well the one guy spoke Spanish, talked to some of the people, and he had been there. Like I said, they had been there before. They arranged with one of the the individuals that fished there to come around and get us in a boat and take us out fishing. And they worked out an agreement. They ended up giving them sea rations for pay to do this. Oh, no kidding. These people, oh man, they ate that up. I mean, yeah. This was canned food that would last forever. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. And MREs. Yeah. And they, and they, uh, they, they gave them a case of that for taking us out there. And, we we uh, we went out in groups of two at a time with the with the guide that was taking us out. Oh, so it was a small, small boat then, huh? Yeah, it was just a little boat. In fact, it was a fiberglass boat. It was probably a eighteen footer, maybe I don't know. Yeah, maybe that's twenty. Not much. big. No, it was a V bottom boat. And talk about bottom. I mean, the bottom was wearing <laughs> through where you could see bubbles underneath it when it. No kidding. Out. It was getting that thin. I never saw a fiberglass get that thin. You that could see was... the water moving underneath it. Wow. It was... We'd go out a half a mile. Somebody mile was scraping bottom the a little bit. Golf, the golf there. No shit, a half mile out in one yeah. of those little things. We, we were within about 250, 300 feet of whales cresting at one point. No kidding. Yeah. We caught all kinds of fish, caught a couple sharks. No shit. And we brought the first shark we brought in was probably I don't know what kind of shark it was. It wasn't big. I mean, we weren't getting big sharks. No, yeah, just two and a half, three feet long. Yeah. The first one we brought in, the, the guy uh, spoke entirely Spanish. I don't know what he was saying, but he got all excited. He got up and he grabbed a club from underneath the seat he was sitting in, and it, we brought it over the rail of the boat, and he beat the hell out of it, beat it to death. You know? <laughs> <laughs> He's raising all kinds of hell. And then he started cutting it up, and we used that for bait. 
Oh, really? But he, he like, like he hated sharks. <laughs> I never saw anybody go so crazy. I guess you don't want it flopping at your feet when it's a shark. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if it was just because the sharks eat the fish the day their livelihood or what the deal was. Could, could he be. just did not like that shark. And then he used it for its yeah, own chum to feed the yeah, others. To... Yeah. I'll, I'll bring that stuff down. Nature goes full circle. Yeah, we, caught some, we caught some nice big uh, grouper. I think they were one of them. Was big. I mean, it probably. Yeah, I, don't, I don't know. It's too hard to explain where it's at. I thought it was big. It fit in the bottom of the cooler. It was huge. We brought That's home a cool. lot of. Fish from shore too. We caught some uh, trigger fish. They call them you know, little flat, flat-sided fish. I don't even know. Never saw them since then. You know, we call them trigger fish. And uh, just picturing little Speedy Gonzales beating the hell out of a shark, just wailing away with a bat. The one morning, the one morning we got up, and got up. And we were sleeping in that camper with the. It had a, a flip open door on the back of the camper top, you know, that open outward, you know, like a, like a lid opposite the tailgate. Okay. Yeah. We closed, got in and closed the tailgate and slept on, I had a, a four inch foam mattress in the bottom of the thing, you know, me and the sergeant slept in there. We left the lid open to get air at night. We got up that first morning and climbed out and there were scorpions. Uh-huh. All over the place. Uh-huh. There were about seven or eight scorpions and getting in the, in the shadows of our trucks, trying to get out of the sun. Uh-huh. Thought, man, the night before that, we were sitting on the beach, you know, in the dark, fishing. And these things are crawling around all over the place. They those typical little little white one looking things. They were pretty big. They were cream colored, but they were yeah. but they were big. They were somewhat were three inches long. If I remember right, those are the more docile ones. Yeah, they might they're, be. They still sting. Oh yeah, that's a, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I don't think they're as powerful as a venom. Possibly not. They're, I didn't want to try that out. No. <laughs> Going back to the shark, don't you think the blood in the water would attract more sharks? The what? The blood in the water. Oh, from would the shark? It, yeah. Wouldn't that attract more? It might. But they weren't big sharks. I don't know if there are big. There probably are. I mean, it's the Gulf of California. I'm, sure, I'm, I'm just Part saying. of the Pacific Ocean. There probably are. Well, one thing I know about sharks is they like blood. And I don't think they're particular about who's. <laughs> That's kind of why they jump the water. <laughs> On a boat that you can see through the bottom, not intentionally. That was a fun trip. We spent about four days there. Came back. Something I don't tell a whole lot of people, but we crossed the border. And of course, at the border, they check everything you got. We had our, our I had my camper full because theirs was a camper. Mine was more of a truck with a camper top on it. So I had all the sea rations and all that piled in my truck. You couldn't even see all the way to the yeah to the back, you know, back of the thing. And my the lid on my my camper lid, I had like a shelf built across at the, where you'd normally have a truck box. Yep. I had a shelf Maybe back there the with sliding doors on it. Yeah, you could keep stuff in there. I kept my, I, I kept things that I used a lot, like uh, I had a sleeping bag in there, and a lantern, and some other things that I carried around all the time. I just kept them there. 
stuff you learn to live with and yeah, keep because out there because I we, we went out in the desert a lot and you know did uh, I you know, went on camping trips and in fact that there was a hike that we went on when I first got there that I didn't even tell you about it. But, um, anyway, well, we, we want to do more. We want to keep talking. Well, I, I got four minutes left before it stops. I mean, we could do a part two, absolutely. Matter, asked, yeah, I'll do that. Go ahead, hold, hold that. Um, I'll stop it here and I'll save it and then we'll do the next hour. Cool. Hey guys, thanks for listening. And we are back, hour number two. Thank you for listening to Keep It Down with Whiskey Nick. I am your host, Whiskey Nick. We are still recording at. Whiskey Nicks, that's right. We're still here with Conrad, telling me some more stories. We're picking up where we left off. You were coming back from the border. You were telling me all the stuff packed into the truck. <laughs> it, was, it was when I crossed the border going into Mexico. Go, going into Mexico. They, they didn't just uh, invite you in with open arms? <laughs> no, we had to go through the customs you normally go through. And uh, they asked us a lot of questions about what we had. They kind of went through some of our stuff, but they didn't go through everything. And I'd be in a naive 22-year-old dude. Uh -huh. Forgot that I carry a 22 rifle back in that shelf. I had a Ruger 10-22 that I bought while I was in service, actually. And I carried it around me all the time. It was in Arizona. It was pretty much a free... You could you could walk around town with a 22 rifle. It was free carry state and free carry um, free range out there. You could walk around. I mean, there were no property signs like you have. Where it says no trespassing. I walked the desert all over. I carried a rifle with me a lot, you know, for for snakes or jackrabbits or just planking. So I kept it in my truck instead of putting it in the. You know, I didn't want to lock it up in the. Uh, which I probably should have. But <laughs> I didn't want to turn it into the to the arms uh, the, the armory and have them lock it up for me and then get yeah. it out when I needed it because maybe I wanted it when they weren't there. <laughs> so I just kept it in my truck. Nobody knew I had it. And, uh, when they asked me if or I you. had it, anything <laughs> like that, I said no. <laughs> Did they? Uh... They didn't look. <laughs> Oh, and I was nervous as hell. <laughs> Did you like remember that you had it after you said no? I remember that I had it as they were looking in the truck. <laughs> and they did not find it. No, they looked through just our basic stuff, and they heard we were going on a fishing trip, and they saw we had fishing tackle boxes and fishing rods and sea rations and that kind of stuff, and they they just kind of much pretty much passed us through. And, I didn't tell my buddy about the sergeant until I think I told him after we got home. I didn't even reveal it to him while we were there. I never touched it. Well, yeah, because then he's an accomplice. Kind of yeah. Forgot it was there. Then you got someone else. You I have kind to rely of forgot on. about it. Like uh, it's not really there. You know, I didn't even look to make sure it was. When we came back through the other way, That's they didn't even ask cat. that kind of question. That's Schrodinger's cat, right? It's, it's it's there and it's not at the yeah. same time. I've heard I've heard stories in, you know, recently, you know, over the last few years about guys that mistakenly went across and ended up in prison for a couple of years oh, no for doing shit. the same thing. No kidding. Yeah, one guy one guy got in the wrong lane. Wasn't even planning on going to Mexico. He got stuck in the lane that leads you into the custom thing, and he got up there to where he's crossing in and told them he wanted to turn around and come back and they found out he had a shotgun in the vehicle and they arrested him. Holy shit. And he ended up 
he was asking for a presidential pardon and everything. He was trying to get out of jail. He was there for a while. No kidding. Yeah. Wow. Pretty strict about that. <laughs> wow. And this was circa 1973. Wow. <laughs> Holy crap. <laughs> yeah. Didn't expect that from Mexican Border Patrol. Wow. <laughs> if you guys got any crazy stories like that, again, I'm on the socials. Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, TikTok, Reddit, Twitch. Hit me up. Shoot me a message. At Scrooge468, S-C-R-O-O-G, 468. I'm talking so he can take a few puffs of the nice nice cigar. He's been letting go out because he's been more, more talkative than ever. <laughs> Starting out all nervous. What do I say? I don't know. I'll just give you a couple. All right, and here we are at hour number two. Look at that. <laughs> wow. We got back from that trip and uh, see what else I do. How was it coming back across the border? <coughs> it wasn't a problem coming across the other way. I mean, we were we were all military. We were coming to the United States. They didn't ask us a whole lot of questions. They asked us if we bought anything over there that we should be should, you know should declare. No bricks of cocaine, right? Just let, let, just. Back then, that wasn't as much of an issue, I don't think. No one was asking anything like that. We were coming back from a fishing trip. We had our fish that we caught. And, you know, I don't even remember an incident. I don't remember even crossing that border. I know I did. But it, it, was, it wasn't memorable, in other words. We that's just that's went good. You just went through. Woke up and I was home. Yeah. That's a good thing. Had all your kidneys intact, right? Yeah. <laughs> no shark bites. Could have got a barracuda bite. I found out after I got back. I I went off on a, on my own little walk along the beach, and when the other guys were out fishing, and took a little bit of swim in the water <laughs> down about a quarter mile from where we were camping, and found out afterwards that the that water had a lot of barracuda and those kind of fish in it. <laughs> Barracuda aren't shy Probably either. shark too. Yeah. But, you know, I wasn't very out far out, but I. You know, it doesn't. Matter. I, just went, I just went on a walk by myself along the beach, you know, and I thought, oh, it was hot. Started waiting, and then I thought, oh, okay, I'll go in. <laughs> I got pretty sunburn while I was there too. Oh yeah. More direct sunlight. Yeah, absolutely. It was actually burnt, blistered on my thighs, you know. Oh no kidding. Yeah, yeah that's bad. I got got really burned when I got back. You know, in fact, it was it hurt bad, but I didn't want to say anything because I heard stories where, when you're in the service, you're government property, and if you if you get sunburnt real bad, mm -hmm. you're damaging government property, and that could be yeah. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> yeah. You're their property. <laughs> Take care of that machine. Well oiled. Use that coconut sunblock. Then we had a we had an event we had an event for. Uh, we had a forest fire there, like kind of like they're having out west all the time. There was a forest fire in the in the mountains outside of base, which is natural. Most of the, most of that's a national forest, uh, even though it doesn't look like forest. It looks like desert. <laughs> it's considered national forest. They had uh, a forest fire up in the mountains, and you could see it every night. It was like a line. You could see the whole glowing line coming over the mountain. That's creepy. It was like five miles away, probably. They ended up enlisting our base to help, you know, military people to go out and try fighting it, and we ended up doing that. 
that was that was a experience. Yeah. <laughs> they got us up, you know, like they told us ahead of time that we would be on rotating schedule and they you know, they woke us up like three or four in the morning. It was our turn to go out. Took a bunch of us guys out there and drove us out to the to an area where they were trying to make a fire break, you know, and they had us out there cutting brush, wake, you know, trying to open so things not, up. Yeah. And they had uh, helicopters flying over, you know, spraying. You know, they had they had a group that professional group that did that kind of stuff coming through with an airplane dropping some kind of chemical retardant almost a pink stuff you know like yeah the pink foam stuff the yeah at the time I was thinking of Agent Orange Agent Orange yeah <laughs> yeah that's not too far <laughs> removed <laughs> they're dropping this stuff all around us in fact I, I still have some pieces I got a canteen at home and a couple other things that, that uh it still had the orange drops on it from where that stuff stained it, you know, where it, it felt, it actually hit us, you know, while we were out there. But, uh, they were spraying that stuff, and we were, we were, I don't know, the guy in charge of us again was a lieutenant, and I don't think he knew what he was doing, he, he, in fact, everybody was complaining and saying, you know, he's got us running all over the place, he didn't know what he was doing, so he's just giving us orders, do this, do that, and we, we weren't organized at all to do what we had to do, Yeah. and about three hours or four hours into it, it had to be a little longer than that, because it was daylight, you know, it was, it was getting hot during the day. He called for an airdrop of some water for us because we were running out of water to drink, you know, drinking water. They come in with helicopters with these gallon aluminum canteens, gallon cans. You know, Those are heavy. They're big, yeah. And they had them hanging from a strap from the helicopter and they came over and let go of them to drop down to where we were well when they hit the rocky ground up there on the hill yeah they just busted open and they're rolling down the hill like wheels of shredded aluminum coming down the hill we had to jump out of the way of some of them you know, they were that, it was that, nobody got any water out of them they just i don't know whose idea that was <laughs> Sometimes that's the military. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Everything sounds better on paper. We weren't that far up the hill anyway. I mean, we, you could see the truck. There was a truck down below. You know, I don't know. A couple hundred yards down below us that had a water, a, a truck for water spraying on the fire. You know, that you could see. We were up the hill always where they couldn't get yes, to it. But, uh, but at least there was a lot of there was a lot of fire around, but it wasn't like a forest fire like you see. You know these guys fighting were yeah. were crowns. You know this was all sagebrush. Yeah, basically it was, it was, it was like a field fire. Yeah, where we were anyway. I guess there are some parts of the top of the mountain where there's a lot of conifers because well, Arizona is weird. Arizona. 
It's it's like the climate of Mexico all the way up to the climate of Alaska yeah. in one state. Yeah, it will be elevations. Yeah. 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 You're down there in the valley like that. You'd be, be down there where it's sagebrush and cactus, and then you yeah. go up, you go up uh, a quarter mile away up the side of a mountain, and there's snow on snow the top, up top of May. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and there's there's pine trees growing all over the place. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. That's got to be beautiful to see. It is. Be about that midpoint where you reach out and you can feel the heat reach out. You almost feel that chill. Yeah. Yeah, that, that would be cool. Mountain behind us, Mount Lemon, or not Mount Lemon. Mount I Lemon's in, uh, in, in uh, Tucson. I, I went up that one too. There was a, uh, a mountain behind us, uh, Mount Miller, behind the base. Me and a couple buddies climbed that a few times. I would really like to pack up and move west. And then we got Vegas in, in a week, but it's still not the same. I mean, I, I would like to. Topped out at about eleven or twelve thousand feet. Thousand, not hundred thousand. Yeah, our base was yeah five hundred feet. That's huge. And it was on the foothills. So at nighttime it got chilly. Yeah. That's yeah, crazy. it's weird. That's yeah. weird too. It gets in the nineties, <laughs> upper nineties in, in the daytime. Uh, plus, out there, dry you... heat. Yeah, not yeah. much humidity. <laughs> and then at night, yeah, it gets that, cold. It's that oven heat. Yeah. Well, and it's nice too because you, you don't get a lot of cloud cover out out west like that either. I mean, daytime is usually sunshine, right. nighttime summer, with stars, yeah. so yeah. you don't get that insulation of the clouds either. Yeah. So you're hitting both yeah, extremes. Yeah. The first, the first couple of weeks over there, I, I got to know some of the guys you know, in the in the group we were in, and we were considered. It was a weird group. We were a mobile operations company, that, that which is a company that is is set up to. Be able to move our equipment and all of our stuff wherever we're needed, anywhere in the in the world, actually. At what did you time. tell me? It wasn't semi trucks. It was like the big. Uh, we had everything. We had semi trailers that we had a lot of our equipment. And our Comsec equipment was in big semi trailer, about fifty-five okay. foot long. And, uh, and we had, uh, of course, we had all the equipment to back that up. We had the, the, the big generators, and uh, we had smaller smaller equipment, too, that carried some of the radio equipment and things like that. But uh, we were mobile in the, in the fact that we could, at any time, all of our stuff was already set in, in, in place in those trailers. Right. We worked out of those trailers all the time. Yeah. Yeah. <coughs> All of our equipment was in racks inside those trailers. They were air conditioned, yep. and you know that was our that was our equipment. And it, it was able to be able to hooked up to a tractor and moved anywhere. Grab a truck and yeah, let's go. So uh, and then put on a plane and flown wherever it has to go anywhere in the world. Yeah, that's clever. And, uh, I forget what point I was trying to get to there. Let's take a little brief commercial break, shall we? I'm gonna. Uh, Hopefully, uh, let our sponsors say a few words. Maybe Labatt Blue finally chimed in, but uh, we'll be right back. And we are back. I don't think anyone sponsored anything, so I don't think we actually went anywhere for you listeners. Curse. I could sign up for sponsorship, but that's too much. Too much. Then I feel responsible for creating content and doing stuff. This shit shows for me. <laughs> 
You were talking about the mobile operations and how everything's set up yeah. to pack and go? Yeah, the point I was trying to get at, I think, what I forgot when I got talking about our trailers was... Uh, to, to, to the alcohol? That the group, <laughs> the group I end up becoming part of, which was new to me, they were considered like I don't know elite isn't the word but just they were they were uh, eccentric I guess they were considered eccentric by other people and and they did things to make it to make that continue because they like that. <laughs> So we did. I, I like we, the choice of words did, in the code talking. We did some. We did some outlandish kind of things. You know, <laughs> um, which I can get into a little bit more. But the first thing that happened when I got there, I, I got to know some of the guys in their group, and I don't know what even started this or how we got into this, but I don't know what even brought this whole thing up, but I was invited into it and became part of it and almost wanted to sponsor it was we decided that we were going to hike from our base, which is in Fort Huachuca, which is about 20 miles from the Mexican border, to the city of Tucson, which is about 65 to 70 miles further away. I remember this story. And that was one of the first things that got me into, you know, got me invited into this group and really made me feel like, oh, this is, this is cool. I like these guys. Yes. And, and uh, we, we, had to, we had to get this past our, our commanding officer, first of all. You couldn't just do it. So we had to present it as a training operation. We're going to go out there and, you know, this is going to be, you know, exercise for one thing. It's going to be exercise. It's going to be good for us, and, and showing that we are capable of doing Team this, that we can do this kind of thing. You know, and, you know and he bought the idea, and he assigned he assigned a second lieutenant to be with us because we couldn't go on our own. Right. Yeah. And the second lieutenant didn't like this idea at all. He was totally pissed off because he was told he had to do it. Yeah. <laughs> we wanted to do it. I'm gonna go hiking in that shit. <laughs> <laughs> so we left and you know left the base, just walking across base, headed in the direction of Tucson. How far was Tucson? Almost seventy miles. Holy shit! <laughs> across Holy the desert. Shit. <laughs> Not really desert like Sahara. Holy shit! <laughs> it's desert. That's a long walk. <laughs> it was in. Um, see, that would have been in probably April. Almost this time of the year. Yeah, it's hot there. It it was warm. It's hot there. It was warm in the day, but it was cold at night. <laughs> and we took off in that general direction and hiked and hiked and hiked for a long time. First night we spent camping out. I was thinking about rattlesnakes crawling in the sleeping bags. So we were sleeping on the ground in sleeping bags. That we had carrying a, we were all carrying a pack. Throw back to the scorpion story. I wasn't too worried about scorpions. I didn't know too much about scorpions existing there at the time. But I was more worried about snakes. I think, and, you know, I've seen stories where people wake up and there's a rattlesnake in their, in their sleeping bag with them. Because they crawl in to get warm. But if he's not rattling, he's okay, right? <laughs> he's comfortable. He's cozy. Anyway, spent the first night with a campfire. And a campfire sleeping out there. And Looking at the stars, and it got chilly. 
then we spent another day walking and walking. One of the guys got sick from, I don't know, heat exhaustion or whatever. He, he, he had to be picked up. I don't even remember how we got him picked up. They got him out of there anyway. If we got near a road where he could be picked up. Because they were following us. They even had... Uh, I was told that they had aircraft watching over us. Wow. At times, you know, flying over to see our location. Yeah. Make sure that we were still That's all a in the group. <laughs> good use of investment to keep track of, well, your government property. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and we came across, I mean, it's totally weird out there because it was, I don't know if it still is, but it was what they call free range. People let their cattle, yeah. they had cattle, yeah. run. Like they did out west, they, 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 yeah. They just tag them, and so you know who's yeah. who's. There's no fences. Yeah, they just go wherever they go, and you go collect them at some time, you know, later. Yeah. So we ran across no fences, but we knew we were on private property at times. So you come across one of those windmills pumping water. Yep. Be pumping it into cattle tanks. Yep. We even washed up in these tanks, you know. We'd run into these every once in a while, and we just we didn't run hardly any roads. We took a direct route that was across. Pretty much, oh, the shortest, the area, shortest yeah. distance between yeah. two places right. is a straight line. And we ended up, uh, <laughs> we got, we got. Thanks, Farmer John. <laughs> we didn't actually walk into the city. We got within, I don't know, a mile or two miles. When we, that was the end of it. You know, we decided they called. Uh, uh, I'm trying to think of what the name of the air big. There was a big Air Force base in. Tucson. Uh, like Monmouth or something. We're going to cue the Jeopardy music now. Huh? <laughs> We're going to cue up the Jeopardy music. I can't think of what the name of it is for sure. It's a huge Air Force base. Not Area 51. No. <laughs> No, it's right. It's a it's a no big Air Force. It's a big Air Force base where they keep right now. It's like uh, besides being an Air Force base. Oh, I know what you're talking about. It's a Yeah, I know. Old bombers and all that. Yeah, stuff. I know what you're talking yeah. about. I can't think of it. Yeah, it's still I, an. I mean, yeah. it's still an active base. Yeah, I recently Google mapped it, and yeah, it's freaking huge. It's huge. Yeah, they got they got some of the big C one fifty and the yes. bomber, the B two yeah. bombers, and all these things that are boneyarded. And the way it's set there. up too, I mean, all these planes are lined yeah, up. Yeah, they're so lined up perfect. in the oh categories God. of what they are, jets yeah. or bombers or whatever. Yeah, big to small. Yeah, some of them are still usable, and some of them are, they've been scrapping them. You know, taking yeah. parts off them for whatever. Uh, Google Maps, the way it shows it, it, yeah, I mean, you've got all these little trails, look like trails, but they're obviously you know drivable roadways to access. Them, but yeah, a couple of spots they got what looks like runway spots. So if they want to get a couple planes out, they can just pull them yeah. on the runway, taxi them in for whatever. And yeah, it's yeah. Anyway, huge. our contact, our, our lieutenant had a radio and he, he had contact all the time, you know. And he, yeah, he was contacted and, and asked for us to be picked up at the nearest road we were going to cross. And they picked us up and took us into, into Tucson, and then from there we were shipped back. But, <laughs> it was after three and a half days, I think. Wow. Of walking. That's a lot of damn walking. Yeah. We came across a coral snake and uh, no rattlesnakes. And with the gear, too. That's. We had sea rations to, to eat again. Packed those. We had, yeah. We just had the stuff we needed. I mean, we had our clothes. We wore the same clothes the whole time. Yeah. How'd you smell? 
<laughs> we didn't wash, you know. We didn't have any place to wash. You know, we we washed other washing up, you know, in those yeah. things. And, uh, yeah, but then you put the same dirty own, clothes back water, on. <laughs> we had our own water, our own our own uh, food, and bed rolls and everything like that that you needed. That's about it. And you, you, sold, maybe. you sold it to your CEO with uh, this is a training exercise. Yeah, it was. <laughs> As opposed to a shits and giggles training. event. Yeah. yeah it, was, it was bold. Are you me? Yeah, it was cool. <laughs> we did that. That, that, was a, that was an actual exercise that we did, you know, even though it was yeah. a fun thing. And I had a lot of adventures in the hmm. On my own, you know, with other guys, you know, going out hunting. Had open season on doves. We went dove hunting with one of my friends. Went dove hunting, and limited out on doves. Took him back to his his house. He was married, also living in a house on base. Cleaned those all up. Had a jackrabbit. We got at the same time. Had uh, cooked the rabbit and the doves up in a roaster. Tap off your scotch, but the, there's some tenure. Some some parts of the some parts of the story aren't made for all ears. So. <laughs> oh, this is a complete. Yeah. Uh, okay, I understand. <laughs> so this, this is a adult audience generally. I've done a few kid friendlies, but I put a disclaimer. Adults down here. Yes. Can I top you off? Another splash. It's more art bag for the for the gentleman here. And I had half a mind to, so to instance, call it quits at like around 39 minutes of hour one. <laughs> this guy's still going strong. I love it. I love it. So they were allowing a cosigner. This is all I do though. You know, I have people over, we bullshit and just go to whatever. It's a good time. No. You're not telling any of your story. It's more fun to do. I don't have any military stories. Don't <laughs> they don't have to be military. <laughs> no, maybe you should listen to the podcast. <laughs> There's a few stories out there. Maybe I should. No, you, it's not a good show. <laughs> My listeners will tell you. Because of what they were asked, the dollar amount, they ran it through that. It's their decision to run it through it. They ran it through it. And it's just for me. It's fun. Did a, did a lot of hiking and fishing and hunting and... Did some mountain climbing or rappelling. Oh, really? Yeah, I met a guy that some was into that. So some spelunking? He got me started. Me start. No, no, no. No, <laughs> no caves. I, got, I met a friend that was into the rappelling, so he got me some equipment and he got me into that. Didn't like that so much? No, I liked it. did, did like it. No, I did. That was exhilarating. Very fun. Oh, yeah, if you don't do it right, you're going to fall to your death. That, that sounds really exciting. Yeah, I remember the first time, first time climbing off the edge of that cliff. You wonder if the rope's going to hold you right. And if you learn how to handle it, because we, we were using just the hand method where you wrap the rope around your body and just control it with your hand. Yeah. Well, it was, I did it three or four times. You know, climbed back up and did it three or four times after that. Wow. We did that a lot. I got in a lot of wall climbing and... Rock climbing and mountain climbing. No kidding. That's made a huge comeback. It's a big popular thing now. Well, this is up the actual rocks. Yeah, well, true. Yeah, yeah. A lot of rope. They didn't screw screw the things into the wall for you. They don't want people to know that we're using the 
Yeah, that's become a huge thing right now. Big comeback, but big cardio and it is fun. The, the repelling was enjoyable. I can see that being more fun to. It's kind of neat. You know, bounce down the mountain like that. When you get, that, the, yeah. get the hang of it, kicking off and yeah, you know, that would be kind of neat. Dropping down six, seven feet at a time and kick off again. You know, that real short moment of free fall and. She was like, "I got the car." Well, yep. this girl came in. Yeah, that's kind of cool. That'd be cool. When we were, me and my old man were in in Wyoming. We actually went to Wyoming. We visited Mount Rushmore. And we went just a little further west of Wyoming for Devil's Tower and got close to that and checked it out. And yeah, there was probably at least a dozen guys up there. And this yeah. is, gosh, this is mid-90s. Yeah, a bunch of guys just various points of the mountain, just or the pillar. I don't even know what you call it. Yeah. That's, Formation. Yeah, that's a big one. That's, and they're just all there. various points of it just scooting on down the hill. Yeah, the stuff I went down was probably not more than 100, 200 feet, maybe, yeah, you're that's talk, a big you're one. talking about no, you're, you're talking about bigger than that. Yeah, uh, what four or five hundred feet? Yeah, is it? It's pretty it's, high. Yeah. yeah. And it's just so weird the way it's shaped too. It's yep. like, it almost looks like smooth. It's like a bunch of columns yeah, were built and then just smashed together. Yeah. How the hell did you get up people there to begin climb, with? People climb that stuff. I've seen people going up that. You know, pictures of people. What blows my mind is. Eventually, aren't you going to run out of places to stick your hooks? Yeah. Or is it going to get loose? I you worry know? about the hooks. That's a, yeah. That's, that's scary. Thinking that some people use the same lock-in points yeah. you know, when they climb. What do you think? I mean, it's just friction. Fit. The other guy that put it in there, did he do it right? <laughs> it's it locked in there good. It's just friction fit. I get it, but yeah, you got to trust your positioning. You got there is so much you got to be. There's no second chance at that shit. Yeah. Yeah, there's supposed to be some, you know. Yeah. The first guy up has got more problem than the, the you know, the, the guys below are somewhat guided by what he did. And if he leaves a line, you know, and they got they got somebody on the bottom as an anchor. <laughs> That's supposed to work. Yeah. I'll be the anchor guy. I'll just sit down there. My fat ass doing nothing. <laughs> I'll wave to you. <laughs> I'll crack a beer for every guy every guy that makes it up there. <laughs> Nick, you coming? Nope. One, I don't do heights. <laughs> Whoa! What happened to you, buddy? Oh, time out. Whoa! Uh, he, he inhaled the scotch. I did. I thought it was amphibious for a minute. I'm not. <laughs> amphibious is inhaling water, not scotch. Oh. I don't even think I can handle that. Oh, <laughs> shit. Oh, I studied the wrong book. <laughs> is it okay with the fan? Is the fan helping? It's got to be helping. <clears throat> That window's not open all the way either. I could crack that a little more. Woof! Well, that was pleasant. Don't mind me dying on the air. <laughs> Anybody got to see that live, watching at home, please stop hacking my cameras. <laughs> you still oh, we're at, no, we're yeah. at hour number two. 
<clears throat> Why, are you ready to have your turn? Man. Man. Chicken shit. Oh, come on. I want to have Lisa on so we can talk uh, conspiracies and <laughs> some wild, crazy shit. That's, that'd, really be, if I, that'd be a good one. Uh, if I are they really conspiracies if they're happening? Well, that's fine. We can do the truth. Maybe you need to transition into Lisa pretty soon. We can do that. Same hour. Are you up for it? If I stir the pot, will you get going again? Transition. If I start you up, what do you think? You guys continue to She she gave me the wave off with the fingers. Yeah. (laughs) One of our big things in that mobile operations group is to do. Every other week, we would take our equipment out into the desert and set it up like, like if you were in a situation where you had to move. It was on base, but it was practice run miles up from where we normally keep our equipment. How big was the base? Well, that's pretty big. I mean, it had to go miles. Well, there was a. I think maybe it wasn't even on base. It might have been in or just take off been property in national forest area. I don't remember exactly if we left base to get out to where we were. The base is pretty big though. I mean, it's got a lot of area, even though. <coughs> but still uh, recovering. But I don't know. I don't know if we were actually in the confines of the base, or if we actually went out one of the gates. I can't even remember. But we would go out. We would be out in the desert, do a field test, and set up all our equipment for a week, and spend that whole week out there in shifts. You know, guys come out, go back to base. You know, oh, so you would just go back to back and forth from yeah, base out there? Yeah, we'd work out there. Oh, so it wasn't just it was a set up. Of... It was set up like if you were somewhere. The equipment was distant from where our our home base was. You know, where we had a we had what they called a vault. It was our. It was in the mobile. It was in the. Uh, kind of in the motor. Right next to the motor pool was our our vault. Where we kept all of our equipment inside that we worked on. Yeah. And our other stuff, our, our mobile equipment was always in the trailers. But we had the machines that we worked on to service them or repair them was in, they called it a vault. And it was it was inside a building in the uh, motor pool that had security clearance. You, you couldn't get in there without it. I mean, well, what I've been didn't the, you? If the general walked up there and once, knocked on the door and wanted to come in, what was the story you told me the one time you denied a senior officer yeah. access? Yeah, because he didn't. Have yeah, the, he didn't have. The he didn't have the clearance. Yeah, the yeah. Clearance. <laughs> yeah, they had to have. They couldn't come in. There Certain without, passwords, right? right. Yeah, so top secret. All the stuff was top secret. We had. Yeah. The, we had the daily codes to change all those every day. They change. Yeah, they, they would the, the codes for how these sequences work. To, that way, if they got intercepted, everything. it would still change right. daily, and so they would be the interceptor yeah. would be days behind. Yeah, so you know, so, people, people couldn't have access to that. They didn't have the need to know it. So your superior officer or, or, or even senior somebody officer, with, even somebody with top secret clearance, they didn't have the need to know that. Yeah, top secret service for something. So if they didn't have access to your specific thing, regardless right. of their rank, they call it you need could, to know. Right. Yeah. If you have the need to know, oh you're, geez, you have the access. I work under a need to know basis right now. <laughs> was it was it your superior or was it just a superior? Oh, he would have been any superior on that base would have been my superior too. Okay. Yeah. Well, so he wasn't your direct. 
I just wonder if you was like your director or something like that, if there was some sort of... No, my direct... The hey, direct people awesomeness, come here. The direct people in charge of me were also top secret clearance in that same department. Oh, no shit. Yeah. So, yeah. So he comes knocking at the door and you just... This guy was another... He was another brand, you know, another... He, he wasn't one of my top secret... Right. One of my security... Wasn't a part of your team. Yeah. How'd that go? What, what was that? I wasn't the one that denied him, but we I was in there. Yeah. He just the two weeks had to accept that, it. I, was eating so high, which was I don't know what he even wanted access for. But yeah. He should have known that he didn't have access. But, <laughs> but he was questioning it. Yeah, and I think it was the, the, warrant officer, and, the warrant officer in charge of our group, which he was a cool guy, too. Pipe smoking. This guy was... These warrant officers are very similar to the NCOs I was talking about earlier, the sergeants that come up through the ranks. Warrant officers are, they're not commission officers that get their commission from going through a, some kind of academy. You know, right, yeah, yeah. yeah. They, they come up through the ranks and then end up becoming a warrant officer. They got to go through a process to become a warrant officer, but they're usually started out as a regular soldier went through the ranks and yeah then, went through the same shit and right they're, they're this guy was familiar they have four classes warrant one two three and four <laughs> he was a he was top he was he was a warrant four he was an older fella pipe smoker coolest guy gerard his name was oh his last name was Gerard. He was, he had been in his later 50s, probably. <laughs> and he always had that pipe. And we would leave our vault and have to walk across the motor pool to get back to the cafeteria or base or wherever we were going. <clears throat> and we're all walking as a group across the base, and some lieutenant comes up to him and told him he couldn't smoke the pipe in the motor pool. <laughs> and he just took a couple more puffs <laughs> and blew the smoke his way and says, I'll be out of here in a second, you know? Like, <laughs> like you're not telling me I can't smoke my pipe. Sure thing, I'll get right on that. <laughs> I like him. He was, he was, he was neat. We went on this. Uh, well, the thing I was telling you about that how unique our group was. They had a thing going that was long before I was there, and apparently it was something that had. And I put it right here. They were. Our group was thought of as a bunch of crazy guys, almost like you know, talk about mash or something like that. You know, like a bunch of, you know these guys will do anything. And we, they had a reputation for that, apparently, and we were carrying it on. Uh, they had this thing where when we were in a group, everybody, I don't know if this ever really happened, or, but they said they, they had a thing where they would um, all take a piece of, like, beef fat or something, chew on it and pass it around, and everybody chew it. Oh. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> and they said, you guys are nuts, you know. Oh. You're the guys that do that. Whether anybody ever really did that or not, that was the rumor <laughs> that we were that crazy. Oh. <laughs> oh. 
chewing the fat. That was the, yeah. that was the big thing, you know. Take take a few chars and yeah. pass it around yeah. and oh. and uh, we went on a, about half the time halfway through the time I was there. We had it was in May or June. We had a which happens annually, I guess, with the mobile operations company. But I was only there one year. Something whatever they put in those you know. They take a a trip to somewhere and really set up a war games. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like full legit. Army wide yeah. or, or all military. Military wide, really. yeah. yeah. It's full legit, like yeah. this full drill. Right. And they flew us out to. We went to that base in in Tucson to get on a flight. No, leave them off. And put yeah, all of our, I like them off. Put all of our equipment on a, a, a C5 Galaxy. I don't know if you've ever seen what they look like. It's one of the biggest. I think the biggest cargo plane is a Russian-made plane, but C5 Galaxy is the second largest. It's it opens up. The, the nose folds up like this. Yes. And the tail folds up, and you can drive right. Yes. Through. Okay. Yeah. And we drove all our equipment in there. You know, the 50-some foot trailers and everything. You know. Oh right yeah. Easily. Yeah. Hummers yeah. and. Yeah. We drove all our stuff in there, and and we sat up in the tail, facing you face the rear. No kidding. You're sitting up there. That's where the people sat. You know. And uh, flew to like North a, Carolina. Like a three-story plane, isn't it? Yeah, it's big. huge. They're big. <laughs> They're bigger than uh, any commercial plane. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and we flew to uh, North Carolina. Aircraft blows my mind that they can get that shit in the air. Yeah, something like that with all that weight in it. Yeah, yeah, not just by just itself. Just the plane itself. With, with all, all that, that extra weight. shit now, too, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We went to North Carolina for a month and stayed in a tent, big tent, like a platoon tent. Not a circus tent. 30, 40 guys fit. <laughs> you know. And we slept on cots. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, we had cots, and it was like we were really... You set it up like a makeshift barrack. Yeah. Yeah, we were on cots inside of a tent, yep. you know, out in the open air, and, uh, <laughs> and uh, that, on that trip, we, uh, <laughs> watching the show here, too. I see that. <laughs> I don't know what this is, but... Um, what the hell was this? Uh, it, it was a comedy, late a lot, 90s, a lot of early 2000s. Dinosaurs. Evolution. Oh, is it? Yeah. Okay. Some meteorite lands on Earth, and then the uh, the heat from the re-entry catalyzes all the microorganisms. The company in it, I thought maybe it was uh, yeah. X-Files, but then I thought, that's not X-Files. Yeah. <laughs> no way. <laughs> As they catalyze on Earth and become more and more life-friendly, they start becoming more oxygen. Uh, they, they start learning how to breathe oxygen and all that, and they start becoming their own little creatures. They, these space creatures are evolving, basically. I see. Yeah, it's it's a funny show, but it's like they're all dying now. Oh, anyway, for, for, um, yeah. <laughs> this is the show, man. This is it. This is it. We go from point A to letter red, <laughs> really quick. <laughs> Welcome to Keep It Down with Whiskey Nick. <laughs> I am your anyway, host, Whiskey we, Nick. Anyway, we, we flew out to that, uh, <laughs> that. We flew out to 
Fort Bragg in Carolina. And then we drove to, and I've tried to look it up on a map. It's not a military base. It must be a, it's, it's a lake. Like, it was called Lake St. Catharines. And that's where we were. And I, I didn't know at the time, you know, what it was. I just know we were going there. And that's where we set up our camp. It was like a forest, but it's act, I think it's actually a state forest in Carolina. And uh, we were set up in the forest, and they had all this stuff going on all around us. We were just the communications for it. We weren't mm -hmm. really in the game where we could be tagged or shot, you know, and well, like counted a, as dead. Yeah, like a real war, you would be stationed somewhere where you're secure because right. you're we, the... We were the communication yeah. for the whole thing. Yeah, you're, you're, We had to set up our communication. You're going to be secured because you're... We had, we had radio you're, wave yeah. communication. We had, we had microwave communication and, and line communication and all kinds yeah. of things. We were talking with Panama. We were talking with ships at sea. We were talking with the people locally. Yeah, military-wide, yeah. That's we had that all connected in our thing, you know, we were talking about all these different places. God, that's crazy to think back in the 70s. I mean, I... <laughs> they had microwave communication, which... I know now it's, you know, 50 traveled, you know, years ago, but... Microwave helped, you know, get the stuff somewhere, yeah. you know, like satellite now, you know, it just gets things... Yeah. Long distance. Quickly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we had... Uh, we had that all set up, but... We were pretty much, again, it was kind of a unique experience because we weren't in the war, really. We were, we were supposed to be combatants. We were just doing our job to keep communication going. Right, yeah. There were blue team and red team all around us. <laughs> but, right, But we were yeah. part of that. We didn't I even mean, have a color. <laughs> if something were to come up where you were, you know, shipped overseas for, for your service, for doing, you know, your code, you would... Same thing, be protected Probably from... Probably the people in the crypto part would be... You would yeah, be protected the from radio the actual war. Be out yeah. there with the actual battalions fighting. Exa yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. that's kind of why that would be... That's crazy. But anyway... Yeah. Um, Sorry. <laughs> we, had, we did all kinds of things off off hours, you know, like, you know, I mean, we had a regular shift. So we had... So war games had hours? <laughs> we did. <laughs> no shit. Yeah, because we were working. No our kidding. Equipment. Regular shift. Oh, yeah, so yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah. You get off shift and you next shift would come in do their thing. Uh, and in fact, one 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 weekend we went out. I to guess. A, yeah. One weekend we went out to a drag strip. We walked. You know, it was like a mile away. <laughs> walked to went to a drag strip and watch watch them do a race. You know, and. Uh, <laughs> The war was still going on all around us. I was say, a hell of a war you got going on there. They still got a drag race going on somewhere. <laughs> oh. It was unique, it was unique I guess. <laughs> but uh, we uh, we went into town and watched a movie one weekend, too. Yeah. And it's almost like there's a pandemic going on. Let's just keep everything going on, right? Yeah. <laughs> anyway. All right, uh, I'll keep the politics out. <laughs> we had we didn't have a lot we could do around our camp. You know, we had a tent and a yeah. and a uh, and a cook tent latrines and all that stuff right there. You know, we were it was like we were roughing it where we were there. But you could still dig your own latrines things. or did you have uh some sort I of combination. I don't know. 
Did, <laughs> was there some sort of on-site accommodation, or was it? There wasn't much of an accommodation. If it was, I don't remember what we had. It was Did you poop outhouses, kind of thing. Okay. You know? Yeah. I don't remember what they were like. Uh, really stinky. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> it wasn't fancy. Whatever it was, I don't think it was porta potty. But I don't know what it you was. You didn't wander off twenty yards with a shovel. No. <laughs> no. No. We had something. I don't know. I don't remember. <laughs> Was it, it wasn't impressive, whatever it was, I don't remember. But, uh, we had uh, that warrant officer I was telling you about, the guy I really liked with the pipe. The pipe guy, yeah. yeah. He had this idea that I could drink anybody on the table. I was leading into this. I was waiting for this story. Yes, this is the one. Give it to me, baby. <laughs> so he set it up with another group from... I don't even know what state they were from or what base they were from. <laughs> but they had the guy that they thought was competitive. Uh, <clears throat> oh, military. And they made this thing up. <laughs> you worked so hard. They set this thing up and bet on me without me even knowing that it was going on until they told me about it. So why did you get roped into being the selected one? Because <laughs> they had this idea about how, me. How did they get that idea? I have no yeah. idea. <laughs> I like it. I don't know. I wasn't much of a drinker in the military. Only two or three kegs a day. <laughs> yes. I love it. I love it. He's taking some more cigar puffs here. It might have something to do with our activities on the two every two weeks out in the, out in the desert. <laughs> and your officer knew about it. <laughs> well, he was out there. <laughs> <laughs> You'd come out with us and we'd have a fish fry after every one of those things. It wasn't the boys had your back. It was the officer. <laughs> Get Osmus out there. He'll chug any fucker. After every two weeks, a uh, uh, little, little jaunt in the desert, uh, or exercise in the desert around base, he would, he would provide a keg and a fish fry or some other kind of barbecue or something to the end of that week. So he kind of knew how we were, or who was who, who smoked cigarettes, and who drank what. Doing, doing one-handed kegs, keg stands, right? Anyway, everybody else was rooting for me. They all seemed to think the same thing. So they talked it up so big. And I was, I was, I was gonna go. I just relit it. I think I'll it's get okay. It for, I'll get it for you. Oh. <laughs> they, 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 they all seemed to be so sure that this was gonna happen that really, I went along with it. Really had their confidence in you. I was ready to go for it. I didn't know what would happen, but I was ready to go for it. <laughs> and I didn't even see the guy that they were that they were putting up against me. And did uh, he see you? Did. Did you guys ever? I, I, we never met. Never crossed paths, no. huh? No, what happened was they talked me up so big that the guy backed down. I <laughs> love it. Your all-time bluff right there. <laughs> That's great. The day before uh, that, the day before the night it was going to happen, that day, they told me uh, he's not going to show up. <laughs> no shit. <laughs> That's great. I was already. <laughs> had no idea what you were in for, but you still won the won the challenge. <laughs> <laughs>
I, did I, you ever I, end up meeting I, the guy at all? No. Never it, did, It huh? was at a whole different unit, different, yeah. you know, I don't even know, I, I know it was Army, you know, it wasn't another branch, but I don't even know what base they were from. That, they were be, probably guys in some other, you know, one of the war games units or something. That'd be cool to meet him, yeah. just to, yeah. to, to share that story of, the, hear his side of it, of, you know, mm-hmm. what he was told yeah. about. Yeah, and, yeah, I don't know. You know. He wasn't part of our group in Arizona, so he was somebody yeah. from another state, you know, came from somewhere else. So what was the plan? Just have a big old kegger and have everybody yeah. you know, just, just go to town? Yeah. It was going to happen <laughs> where we had our tent set up. No shit. Yeah. That's awesome. That's great. <laughs> he never showed. <laughs> or he's not going to. <laughs> no, I'm not going to bother. I've, I've heard these stories. I'm not going <laughs> to. Same guy that chews a lot of fat and passes it on. <laughs> that might have been part of it. <laughs> that might have been part of it. They talked about our crazy group. And we were pretty well known. And they tried to keep that going, even though. <laughs> Some of the stuff wasn't even true, but, you know. Hey, if you got the reputation, hold on to it, yep. right? Yep. And do anything you can to improve it. <laughs> on that and years note, after that, they probably mm-hmm. had the story. Well, this guy was this guy was such a drinker this, that he talked our guy right, right out of the drink. The other guy wouldn't even show up. <laughs> Didn't even bother getting his ass kicked. <laughs> On that note, sir, I thank you for joining the podcast today. Yeah. Thank you for two hours of wonderful stories. No problem. <laughs> they thank were absolutely the drinks, wonderful. The smoke. Oh, there's plenty more to come. We'll just do them off the air. <laughs> and uh, you at home, thank you for listening to Keep It Down with Whiskey Nick. <laughs> <laughs>